Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is the podcast all about slow living in a fast-paced world and I am Brooke McCallery. My name is Ben McCallery. Welcome to episode 229. Welcome to my voice, which is a little bit <laughs> nasally. A little bit of a cold. Welcome to week two of The Great Outdoors. Great experiment. Thank you. So we are heading in to the second week of the full week of the experiment and it's been phenomenal. I know so many people are following along. It's it's fantastic to see the hashtags on Instagram and mentions on Facebook. I just love seeing what people are doing with mm. their time in nature every day. I mean, a lot of people have said, I started out by kind of aiming for 10 minutes and realized that that wasn't going to be enough. Mm-hmm. So now I'm doing an hour. Yeah. Or someone uh, commented that they were worried that they wouldn't find anything beautiful in their suburb their Australian mm, suburb, mm. and then she posted a photo of this gorgeous gum tree. Yeah, nice. You know, and it's just been really nice to see the way people have sort of grabbed it and run with it. There were a lot of people in the UK who have just had a huge snowstorm mm. a few days ago uh, were all kind of saying, oh, I wasn't going to get out because it was cold, because it was snowy, but here I am outdoors, kids are playing, building snowmen, whatever. There seems to be a lot of joy around it, which makes yeah. me so happy. Yeah. Because that's my overwhelming feeling about this experiment and spending time outdoors is it brings me joy. Happiness. Yeah, it really does. So week two. Week two, we're just finishing week two. And last week we spoke about on the podcast the benefits that we've got almost straight away, almost straight away of our emotional well-being when we're being outside. Yes. So like how we emotionally felt, how it changed us emotionally as soon as we stepped foot outside. Yeah. And this week it's a bit of a carry on on that, but it goes a little bit further and looks at how your performance emotionally, how, how almost your mental performance it benefits from being outside. Yeah. And this is an interesting one to me because I didn't need convincing beyond what we spoke about last week. Like I didn't need to look at the data that shows mm. that our concentration and memory and like mental performance in terms of work or study is improved. I didn't need to be convinced. Really? I did. No, I, I know. And this is why it's interesting to me because there are so many people I think who do need to be convinced that mm. people understand that it's good for us, mm. but sometimes that's not enough. When you're mm. busy, when you work in the city, when it's uh, it gets annoying to find a park for lunch or it's troublesome to get the kids out of the classroom on a winter day and out into to some form of nature so it's easy to stay in, inside. This is where this kind of information that we're going to talk about today is vital because it is the role of it is really to convince people, policy makers and employers and school administrators that this stuff is important. So I, I think this, again, the topic of this week has taken me by surprise in how powerful it is. Let's do it. Okay. So what challenged me about this week in thinking about the emotional performance or mental performance that you get from being outside is like I I thought about it more on a physical stage. So thinking about like athletes performing in a closed, controlled environment, indoors, like a, a sprinter, a runner doing that sort of 
um, exercise indoors mm. against their performance outdoors. So right. compare it. And I, there was one, I went to one website and I looked at it, it was actually a study into it. And there's been two studies done, which I've, I know of. And on both occasions, surprisingly, astonishing to me, it's the outside that athletes performed better than indoors. Right. I would have thought it was the opposite. Same. Because there's no variables. Exactly. The temperature, the light, the surface is all the same All always. the same. That's really interesting. So th- then I was like, well, what else could there be? And I was thinking about like just doing work outside, like being, you know, writing outdoors or you know, just doing your normal work in an outdoor environment. I was like, does it extend to that? And I pose this question to you. Do you ever ride outdoors? And if you do, do you feel that you're more, like your performance increases, like more, do you write more or is mm. it better or have you ever thought of that? I've never really thought about it. I honestly don't ride outdoors very often. If I was to ride outdoors, it would be just like a – uh, like a pencil and notebook kind of situation. It wouldn't be a sit down and work outside. Mm-hmm. I think I get interesting actually. I feel like I'd get too distracted from my work to make it worthwhile working outdoors. But if what I need to do is creative thinking or problem solving, that's when time spent outdoors has become the most beneficial to me. If I go for a walk, I will often quite with like quite by accident mm. come to a solution to a problem I didn't even realize I was thinking about. Mm. I have often come home from bushwalks full of these amazing ideas about a new book or a story I want to tell or a poem that I want to write. I, I went for a walk yesterday with our son and came home and started sketching. Like I don't, I, I don't sketch. That's not something I do. It was a good sketch too. I was impressed with it. Yeah, I, was quite I really think it. we should put that up on the uh... – Insta. On, on the gram. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know if it's that good. But so so for me, it's not so much about immediate performance. It's not so much about I feel like I'm more productive in the doing of being outside, but I feel like it allows clarity and creativity and problem solving to come up and replace the, the busyness that's often in the top of mind, mm. if that, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because... Every single, the last two weeks, every single time you've been outside, you've come back with an idea or a plan or something new. Always. Always. And it's not just these two weeks. It's been ever since I've known you that you would do that. Yeah. Now, is that intentional on your part? Because there's two ways of, uh, there's two ways that I've gone about this experiment. Uh, um, I've gone outside into the great outdoors with a heavy head. It's that real what I'm calling that active attention that I've had. And it's, you know, when your head just feels full Yeah, so you're like mentally tapped out. Like it's just done. You're just done, Mm -hmm. you know. And it's, you know, mainly when you're working, you're doing – because you need 100% focus on that and it's very tiring. So I've gone outside with that head, you know, in my head. Otherwise, and and on a very rare occasion, I'd go outside and I'd like – my head would be empty almost. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like I just go outside and I'm just there. I'm being out there. Right. Is that – how do you see it? Is it like – so I would say 90% of my time I've got a full head when I go outside and then the other 10% 
it's not, and that's normally first thing in the morning or something like that. Or over the weekend. Or over the weekend out. when I'm not working. Yep. So are you the same? How do you, how's, what's your mental awareness like when you go outside? That's a good question. I don't think I've ever thought of it. I think I more just crave the experience of being outdoors. Mm. I will occasionally feel agitated if I feel uh, overstimulated or understimulated or cabin fevery, I will take myself outside, even if it's just for five minutes, even if it's just to sit at the window and stare outdoors at the trees. I find that that is, that's a strategy I use mm-hmm. when I find myself feeling, you know, locked in, hemmed in. Yeah. But typically I don't necessarily view it as a strategy or a tactic to, to come to a creative solution. Like if that's what you're asking, I don't do it purposefully. And that's why I love so much the fact that I will go for a walk and 15 minutes in, 20 minutes in, the wheels start turning in a different way or they loosen up and, and things shift. And it's I think it's because of, as you say, the attention that I'm I'm spending or that I'm I'm spending time in is a different kind of attention. It's not a busyness, it's not a directed attention it is more open Mm. and the passive attention kind of yeah i mean i'm much more paying i'm paying much more attention to my senses Mm -hmm. rather than my thoughts Mm -hmm. which to me in a very non-scientific way seems to give my thoughts room to do their thing without me getting involved if that makes sense yeah because it doesn't require that level of of activeness no and it's just being in the present so what can i smell what can i see what can I feel? Like, what does the, the ground feel like underfoot? Is it cold? Am I hot? Where's the sun? Look at the, you know, the sun shining through the leaves. Mm. Listen to the water. Listen to the birds. Like, that's... What's your brain doing while you're doing that? Th- just that. Is it is it like going into overdrive and uh, or is it just... Do you know, you know <laughs> yeah, what? I'm I know trying what you mean. To, I'm trying to think about, like, what is your brain? Is it having lots of these, like, whoa, a stream, birds... The rustle of the trees, um, you know, our daughter singing, da da da. Like, is it sucking it all in and filling it up, or is it emptiness? But no, I get, I get exactly what you're saying, and I have times. I wrote about this recently for the Dispatch. I don't think it's out yet. The Folk Rebellion newspaper. When we first arrived in Canada, I had that, and it was kind of like sensory FOMO. I found myself in all of these amazing places on these beautiful drives or when we were snowshoeing or when we go for a walk along the river and there is so much beauty. There is so much sensory overload in a good way that I was flitting from one thing to the next. I need to drink it all in. I can't miss any Mm. of it. If I miss any of it, then I'm failing and I'll be sad and this experience won't be as deep as it could be. And I put all these expectations and all this pressure on the experience of being in nature as having to be something profound (laughs) And then one day I realized that what I was doing was being greedy. What I was doing was not actually engaging fully with anything I was seeing. And as a result, I wasn't experiencing it fully. Mm -hmm. And I remember exactly where we were. We were driving. We're on this beautiful drive. And my brain was kind of in overload trying to drink in every single detail. Mm. And then I, I, (laughs) I looked at this one branch that was backlit by the sun. And it was beautiful and whole in and of itself. And I realized that because I'd slowed down and stopped trying to look at everything else around this branch and only looked at the branch, I actually had a full 
experience of that vision, if mm. that makes sense. Whereas previously I was kind of skimming the surface of a thousand different beauties and missing the depth of all of them. Yeah. Yep. And once I realized that I kind of calmed down, I chilled out a bit. And while there are days where I'm overwhelmed by how wonderful something is and I want to drink it all in, I've realized that I can't. Mm-hmm. Just like you can't visit every town and every city and every country of the world, just like you can't see every beautiful vista that you're never going to. Mm. And if you try, you'll never enjoy any of them fully because you're always thinking about the next one. Yep. So I think I'm getting better and better at just being in the moment and not worrying about what I'm not seeing. It's a long answer. <laughs> That's okay. But I do think it's important. I do. Because I think one of the dangers maybe is this, of this experiment is that we're putting a lot of pressure on our time in nature. It needs to be something big and important and significant right now. Mm-hmm. Whereas what we're seeing with all this research that we've been doing is that a lot of the benefits may go unnoticed initially. It may just be how we react to a stressful situation later in the week. It may just be Mm -hmm. that we sleep a little better. It Mm -hmm. may just be that we're a little more clear-headed. We don't necessarily have to have these huge, big epiphanies. I don't want people to feel like this needs to be a big thing, Mm. capital T thing, Mm -hmm. but rather just something that's important day to day. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. There's been a couple of learnings for me this week. And it's based on the research that I've done and how I then relate that back to what we've we've done. So maybe we should actually talk about, first of all... What the last week was yeah, like. Yeah, like what we actually did in the Great Outdoors. It was actually a funny week it because was, we yeah. moved halfway through the week. We, we moved away from Canmore and we've come to a new place mm-hmm. on the other side of the Rockies. Mm-hmm. The in, first, the, in the Kootenays. In the Kootenays. The first half of the week, the first... Two, Two or three days, we were still in Canmore. So we walked those first two days. I found this amazing little trail near the place we were staying. It wound through a little wooded area and then back along the river. Mm -hmm. And it was gorgeous and I loved it. And I was five minutes from downtown and it was dead quiet. I was sitting by the river, listening to the ice crack and Mm. like watching the, the water rush by. And it was so clear. It was like glass. And this is in the middle of a town full of, I don't know, 12, 15,000 people and no one else around. Occasionally you'd see someone else and they'd be walking the opposite direction with this huge grin on their face, just like me. I'm like, oh, thank God. It's not just me. You're not the only one. I'm not the only one. But then the third day, we actually went ice skating Mm, on Lake Louise. Pretty special. Oh, it was amazing. Terrifying. Ice skating's hard, It is hard. It is hard. And when you're not good at it, it does require a lot of active attention. Mm. <laughs> so it was a mix of this passive and active attention where it's like just be and be in the flow and whoa, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm falling over. I'm falling over and, you know, sliced myself open. <laughs> you did not. Anyway. But that's in the, back of, in the back of your head the whole time is like yeah. these sharp things on your feet, make sure they don't It's go. a weird sport. I, I'm, not, I'm just going to say that. Like mm. let's just strap some blades to our feet and yeah. slide around. Yeah. And pretend that we're Scott Moyer in terms of virtue. I couldn't do any hockey stop. I really desperately wanted to do a hockey stop in them, but I was just, I wasn't just not comfort, confident enough to do it. It gives me a whole new level of respect for ice hockey players mm. and how fast and accurate they are. And the ice dancers and figure skate. It's, it's 
phenomenal. I spent half the time also trying to go backwards. Yeah. That's really hard. Yep. I, someone's got some tips about how to go backwards on Let us know. Skates. Let me know. <laughs> I just look like a fool, like bending my legs, you know, like one after Sticking the other. Sticking your butt out. Yeah. So that was a, definitely a highlight. Then we had a couple of days where it was really hard to be in the great outdoors. I mean, this goes back to what I was saying last week about being in a car <laughs> and appreciating Kind of came outdoors. and bit me in the butt. Yeah. Bit. So we had two travel days and they were interesting because we'd go past these places and they'd just be spectacular. But knowing that we couldn't spend a lot of time yeah. there was... Yeah, a little bit more difficult. But did you still get appreciation for it? I or? did. So it was interesting. I mean, I there were, I certainly had those moments of awe that we spoke mm. about last week, which I find really wonderful and, and inspiring and uplifting and enjoyable. But I didn't get the benefit of wandering through the trees. I didn't get what felt more like the physical benefits of breathing the fresh air and, you know, experiencing the full sensory, the sensory experience, I guess, of, of being out there. It was simply what we could see. And it was beautiful and enjoyable, but I did miss, like I craved getting out there. I wanted, we stopped at, you know, roadside stop outs and roadside stops and took mm. photos and. Stop outs. Stop outs. <laughs> and, uh, you know, enjoyed it that way. Stop we invented words all the time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think we, we definitely spent more than an hour immersed in the outdoors, but it wasn't in the way that we had been doing it for the previous 10 days. And it felt different. Definitely, definitely felt different. But it certainly beat the heck out of sitting in a building all day staring at a brick wall. Correct. You know, so one of the things I, um, I I spoke with Florence Williams yesterday actually about the the author of The Nature Fix. And that's an episode that will be out beginning of April. And I asked her about the impact of just visually experiencing nature as opposed to physically and she said there's absolutely benefits, absolutely, to stress relief and, you know, our, our ability to feel awe and to, to just be immersed in the beauty of nature. But there are a number of benefits that you miss out on, obviously, by not physically being in the outdoors. So I thought that was interesting given my somewhat smart-alecky comments last week about, you know, just watching a video or whatever. There's definitely still benefits of it. And then when we arrived in Nelson, which is where we are. Go for a walk. We did. So we're lucky enough that the Airbnb place that we're renting is it just backs onto this huge trail that, I don't know, it just keeps going. We've it's never like found a, the end of it's it. It's a big trail. Yeah. Like it, it's a it's a well-known trail. I don't know what it's called, but it goes over the Kootenays basically. Yeah. So that's basically in our backyard. Mm. And it's been really beautiful to explore that with the kids and by ourselves occasionally. And it's not uh, – the, the interesting thing is I've stopped worrying about this being paired with exercise. Mm. This isn't about no, exercise at all. Not. I, it's, it's not at all. No, it's not about getting our heart rate up. It totally could be if you wanted it to be. And I think there's benefits to exercising outdoors. But for me, this is simply about being outdoors and going for a stroll and seeing what we see and, and soaking it all in. So that's been kind of a relief mm. to not have to, to go, well, but I didn't get a sweat on. I didn't, I don't feel like I've really used my muscles in a, in a significant way. It's just, it doesn't have to be. But I think that physical activity, like the actual being outside, getting the heart rate up, I think there's something in that and we'll explore that in, in the last episode of the month because 
There's been a few occasions, namely this one, which I'm just about to talk about, when we went out to Cottonwood Lake, Mm -hmm. which is just this lake out in this regional park, I think they call it. And we just walked around this lake, a huge amount of snow there, like massive, and it was packed down enough for us just to be able to walk on it. But joyfully for the first time, because Nelson is only a couple of hundred metres above sea level, is that the snow is just a little bit wetter mm-hmm. than it was in uh, in Canmore, which is all fluffy and powdery. This is still very soft, but it's wet enough to be able to throw some serious snowballs. Yeah. <laughs> and we, our family, had, I think, the first serious snowball fight we've, we've ever had around this lake. And it was so good. It was so fun. It was fun. Oh, it was... Just the kids just had an absolute ball just being outside. And, yeah, it was less about the noticing. I mean, the act of crunching together these snowballs is quite mesmerising, like being able to form these balls in your hand with snow. It's just weird. It's weird because we've never experienced snow like that. Never. I've never experienced snow like this, yeah. And just get your heart rate up. In the outdoors, in the cold is is something else. It's invigorating. Yeah. Different to skiing or snowboarding. Uh, oh yeah. I think. Yeah. To me, skiing and snowboarding, there is certainly that sense of big awe, mm. mountain-sized awe, big huge open skies, or you know, sliding down the face of a mountain. Like that that's a big thing. This is a, a smaller but equally wondrous thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I want to talk about the research into this stuff, because like I said at the beginning, I didn't need to be convinced, Mm -hmm. but after speaking to Florence Williams yesterday, Mm. she is of the opinion, and I completely agree with her, that the way we're going to turn things around in so many different elements of society is by creating programs for children and making it easier for people of all generations to spend time in nature in an urban environment because that's where the majority of people now live. More people live in urban environments than not on planet Earth these days. So that that's a huge issue. So how do we then make that attractive to people like school administrators and big employers and city planners and you know all the people who are making these decisions about what our spaces look like and how we spend time in them? How do we convince them that this is not just a pretty... This is not just about a city having nice parks. This is about the health and well-being of people who live in these urban environments. And I think, like Florence said, show them the research. Mm. Convince them that people are happier, people are healthier. Mm. And and even in those two things, healthcare spending would go down. Mm. You know, you look at what they're doing in Japan and Korea. These are government-funded programs now where they are uh, employing ranges for these parks that people go to in their thousands over the weekend for forest bathing and not because it's like an Instagram worthy thing to do or it's a trendy thing it's because the research is there the data shows that people are happier and healthier as a result and then the flow on of that is that people are better employees people are better parents people are better teachers and students they perform better in tests this is what I mean like this is potentially huge and Mm, transformative it is huge i liken it to and we've done a bit of research on this but going back to that when i was talking about physical performance being outdoors versus indoors like a runner 
running indoors versus outdoors and it's better performance outdoors. The same can be said with mentally because there's two types of mental performance and a lot of research call it involuntary or voluntary performance or attention, attention yeah. sorry, or passive and active attention. Mm -hmm. It's like a, when you're uh, an athlete is training. So they train, they lift weights, they do running exercises or whatever, you know, it's, they're training to perform and that's a form of active attention. Mm -hmm. But the real gains is when they recover and that recovery is like sleeping or eating, mm -hmm. you know, it's that rest, yeah. you know, the rest, the passive stuff that is actually the healing time that they then can then go and exercise those gains. And, and then, you know, it's that virtuous circle. Mm. It's like this with your mental state as well. I mean, thinking about active attention is, for me, is sitting at a computer and smashing out work for eight hours a day and then watching TV or something. And, you know, it is an actual, I'm on all the time and you get fatigued. Well, if it's you do finite, that day isn't it? In, it is. Yeah. It's finite research. Uh, research. <laughs> resource. So... What needs to happen is you also need that involuntary attention. You also need that passive attention. And that's the big discovery for me this week is that for me to be able to perform, you know, sitting out at my computer using my mental capacity for my work and all, all the rest of it and also being a parent and, all, you know, Apparently everything else. teaching the kids and all that. Teaching the kids, yeah. being an educator, all that. For me to be really good at that, I need that passive attention yeah so i think so often people treat it as a waste yes you know what could yeah. i be doing what productive stuff could i be doing yeah. with this time i could be earning more money doing something else that's right than... when the reality is at some point you're just going to tap out your fatigue you'll burn out mentally so to flip the script i guess on this passive activity of spending time in nature in this instance and make it a it's actually a productive thing without being a productive thing it makes you better at what you do it makes you more inclined to concentrate well for the time that you need to when you need to mm. there's research that shows that it improves memory mm. it improves performance like mental performance it improves concentration so how do we convince people you know how do we convince people that actually going for a walk in your lunch break and sitting down in the local tiny park where there's 10 trees is going to help you perform at work for the rest of the afternoon. Yeah, it's it's a matter of convincing people that that's So you the think case. the evidence is there? It's just a matter of governments or private companies. Absolutely. All the rest of it just coming yeah, The question is and... how much do we value our well-being? Well, you think about the amount of money invested in mental health. So this is an and it's output. it's not nearly enough. I know. This is an output of that, I think, because the, one of the, you know, to to realize the benefits of an active and healthy lifestyle is to be outside yes you know that's the recommendation that everyone says so i think it, it it's going to get there but how long is it going to take you know i don't know i mean the fortunate thing is countries like japan and, and south korea are they're there already they mm. have done the research and they are now putting their money where that research has shown the biggest gains are to be made and that's not because they're countries that want to to people to move to the country and to live some kind of 
idealized 1950s sort of lifestyle. You know what I mean? Like it, that's not what it's about. These are highly technology focused countries mm-hmm. with hugely motivated workforces. I mean, it, massive cities, hugely modern cities. So it's not like they want that to to stop or they want to arrest that kind of development. They just want people to be happier and healthier within that because that actually benefits society as a whole. Mm. So hopefully other governments, other employers, other policymakers are paying attention. Absolutely. Hopefully. I'll just share this as well. I just thought of it um, and it's the word clarity. I've just written it down in my notes here because I'd always thought that going outside being in nature, in the great outdoors, I I reached some sort of clarity with whatever I was doing with work or in my home life or whatever it is. So there's, you just go, oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, that's what I need to be doing. Or that's, oh, this is the new idea or this is the thing that I need to concentrate on. But it's not, it's not clarity at all. Mm, Really? No, because you know what it is? It's just your, it's like a reset it's a, you're going outside to reset your brain to, for it to recover, mm-hmm. to heal. Cause you're already had that clarity. I don't think it, it's the outside influencing it. I think it is just the outside bathing your mental state. It's just cleaning it out. It's, it's like emptying the trash on your computer. Mm-hmm. It's just rather than it's like giving you all these wonderful ideas, you already had those ideas. Right. It's just, it's doing the healing for you to then realise it. Anyway, that's that's what I had written down and it made sense when I wrote, wrote no, it. No, does, it does make sense. I understand what you're saying. You thought that being outside gave you clarity. The inspiration for the the Whereas, great, great idea. But it, I don't think that's right. right. For me anyway. Yeah. I mean, look, it's also probably just semantics as well. Like it's mm. whether or not being outdoors removes the clutter from your brain and allows you to get to that mm. or there's something else that is at play that delivers that clarity to you. I don't know. Yeah. Like I've never looked at a bird and it started chirping and I've gone, tweet, tweet. Oh, I need to use Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so animals aren't talking to you. Okay. That's good. I feel like that's good. The interesting thing that we were talking about before is when, when you were talking about how you know, our, our, our active attention is finite and there's only so much we can give per day. And I get that. Mm. And that's why downtime is so important. But you think about what constitutes downtime for most of us now, it's more information. It's screens, it's stimulus, it's mm. inputs. It's Good point. even if we're relaxing, air quotes, relaxing by scrolling Instagram or reading the newspaper online or whatever the case may be, like, that is still requiring a certain amount of active attention. And that's why I think that chilling out and watching a movie on Netflix is not going to give you the same result of achieving that kind of passive open relaxation, that open attention as spending time outdoors because the stimulus is so different. I agree. Yet we've, we've somehow gotten mixed up that that is the same, that downtime is the same no matter what. Mm. Gaming is not the same as going for a walk. Mm. Watching Netflix is not, it's not the, the same, same as sitting in a park and watching the clouds. Like they're yeah, not the same okay. thing. You may feel relaxed, but it's not in the same way neurologically, you know, mentally. Because I don't think you're emptying your your digital trash can. No, I don't think you are that. either. So you think about every time you and I have gone camping, you mm. know, and, and away from like proper camping, we come back 
with a solution to a problem that we didn't necessarily know was, was a huge problem, mm -hmm. but we get that clarity. And we could have a quiet weekend at home where we watch movies or play games or whatever and not ever get that same clarity. And it's like you say, it's that reset. Yeah. And I think, I, I think, it, I just think it, there's so much to, to be learned. This begs the question, of course, going back to what we're talking about with urban living. How do people who live in an urban environment start to bring more nature into their days? It's hard. I mean, if you don't, if, if you don't live in the suburbs, if you don't have a backyard, mm. if you don't live in the country, mm. how do you do that? So I've done some research. I mean, the first place to start would be with our scavenger hunt checklist that's yep. got some really good ideas for this month and continuing on hopefully beyond this month uh, as to how you can get some simple doses i guess of of nature um, but i've also got a few suggestions before we finish up okay. today take your lunch to a park that's a really simple one that we always overlook when i used to work in the city i never did that as and i would i literally worked in an underground office with no windows and I would go in at 7 a.m. and I would come out at 4 p.m. Oh. I would never, I had no idea what was happening outside. Yeah. There was a park like 100 meters away, mm. but I would eat my lunch at my desk. Like that gives me the shivers of doom now thinking about it. Shivers of doom. Yep. The thing, just like stop outs. Now, the, <laughs> I was speaking, as I said, to Florence Williams yesterday and I asked her about the minimum dose because I don't want people listening to this thinking... I, I can't do it. I'm, I'm done. I live in the city. There's no way I can I can get into nature. So I asked her, what's the minimum minimum viable dose of nature? And she said that in Finland, they've discovered that five hours a month of nature is enough to have a positive impact. Well, I was going to ask this question. Five hours a month. Now, she's, she was skeptical of that. She thinks that obviously everyone is different. Everyone's situation and circumstance and ability to deal with stress and yeah. mental health and all that sort of stuff is different but that's what the research has found and to me that seems eminently doable it's like half an hour twice a week five hours a month yeah it's nothing no it's it's really not so even aim for that don't worry about this hour a day aim for twice a week half an hour at a time i can put my hand on my heart and say i haven't been getting an hour a day the last week no i really yeah well, not every day. Actually, most have been going over an hour. Yeah. But for me, the last week has been less about the time being spent outdoors. No, and more about how much the you quantity. turn up for yeah, it. Yeah. 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 Quality. Five hours a month. Try that if, you, if you're feeling overwhelmed. Otherwise, find a patch of grass in your neighborhood. It might be a median strip and just sit on it. Take your shoes off. Wriggle your feet around on the grass. I know a lot of people have have been asking me if I've been going on a barefoot bushwalk in the last month. In the snow. In the snow. And the answer is no, I haven't gone barefoot. But some people but have. But some people have and it's been amazing. Yeah. And they've inspired me to, over the next week, go for – I'm not going for a bushwalk. I'm not hiking barefoot in the snow, but I will go out in the snow in bare feet. And just I just want to see what it feels like because I love, obviously, barefoot bushwalking. I've got a good idea about what it feels like. <laughs> feels like walking on ice. Uh, make a date with your friends or family and go for a picnic. You know, I think there's things that we can do by, by bringing our, our mates along for the ride that make these ideas shift from being slightly annoying to, to actually really enjoyable. Mm -hmm. yeah. you know, so make a date. Go out for a picnic. Find a nice park and go and hang out with them. Get like a convoy of people and drive out of the city one night 
Find somewhere that the light isn't bright and look at the stars. Make a date every month, just one day every month. Put it in your calendar, commit to it and have that as your nature day. Turn your phones off, leave them at home and have that as your day where you just bathe in nature. Mm. It doesn't have to be every day if that feels overwhelming to you. But also, you know, it's really tiny things like buy a couple of houseplants. Even as we mentioned last week, looking at images of nature, listening to sounds of nature can have a positive impact. I mean, there's research that shows that uh, hospital patients heal more quickly when they have a view of the outside world, trees, some kind of garden, even just pictures Mm. of, of natural vistas can have an impact on the way they heal and the way they deal with stress and, you know everything that that goes on in a hospital. So I think just reduce the scope and, you know, and try and do something every day, but then also think about bigger ways that you can go and escape into nature, go camping, you know, rent some camping gear or borrow it from friends and go camping for a night. It's just, it's one of the most liberating things you can do. Even if you don't think you're a good camper, I mean, go somewhere that's easy. And, and just enjoy being outdoors. Go to sleep when the sun sets. Get up when the sun rises. It's, yeah. To me, it's phenomenal. And uh, I'd love to see more people do it. But also, if you do live in an urban environment and you're, you're not struggling, let us know what you're doing day to day to bring more nature into your life because I'd love to share it with people. But, yeah, I think this experiment is going incredibly well. I'm so excited about what we're learning and what we're experiencing ourselves and what you guys are learning and experiencing. So, Keep letting us know. Me too. What do you want to do for the next week to get outdoors when you're outdoors? Something different? Yeah, I'd really like to – there's a great Nordic club in Nelson that uh, I, I've been saying since we arrived in Canada I'd like to try cross-country skiing and I haven't yet. So I would like very much to go out there uh, and also go skiing again. I've been yeah. skiing for almost two weeks. The I kids know. have been a bit sick. and I've been sick. We've been, we've and we had to get sick, caught up. Sickly household. Yeah, I haven't been sick No, you've, yet. You've uh, – Manage to stay healthy because of the amount of time you spend outdoors. That's right. I'm actually not near you at all except to go to bed. I just stay outside all day. (laughs) Really looking forward to the next week. Thank you for tuning in and have a great outdoors week. (laughs) Three. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.